Alrighty, we'll do it. Alrighty guys, well, I'm here at Cutter Nation with John Sintes and Cass Kreslow. Kreitlow. Kreitlow, Cass Kreitlow. Thank you guys for having me today. And very cool facility that I'm excited to check out. Thanks for coming out, appreciate it. It's yeah, fun. this is awesome. So, I wanna start a little bit about you guys. John, I know you're from Pensacola. I uh, spent many, many years and summers playing as a Pensacola Blue Wahoo. You find yourself in San Diego now. Talk about your transition that got you out here. So, playing professional baseball in Mexico, um, just bouncing all the way around, um, I ended up, uh, had some buddies over here and then did some research and realized that um, this is the number one baseball market in the country. And I wanted to get into um, more serious type of coaching. I was doing your typical lesson stuff back in Florida in the off season. Um, and then I just did some math on tournaments and teams and it just wasn't enough to sustain. Right. Um, and so um, once I started, you know, just introducing myself to the people in this region, I realized like, this is where I want to be. So I uh, decided to make the move, uh, got divorced, uh, happens, right? And uh, <laughs> just let her have the house and then just hightailed it to Mexico for a winter and then just did research and then got lucky. My buddy let me uh, rent a room from him and then just started you know, creating the business from there. Right, so I noticed you have a huge following, Cutter Nation. Yeah. Um, has that taken, I gotta think that's been a long time for you to amass. Right, right, so I got a degree in advertising marketing and. I remember I saw a stat way back then, and it's probably way worse than it is now, um, especially with like, uh, what's the the social, what was that movie? Dilemma. Like social Dilemma. Oh, I can't um, I, I don't remember what the stat was, but uh, it was like, it just kind of hit me um, from my degree, and it was like, like people go to Instagram like 17 times a day. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, so I, I should just build this following up, and so I just started going down the YouTube rabbit hole, and realizing that there were ways to manipulate the algorithm and create a following. I was like, all right, so if I can get as big a following as I can, especially based in San Diego, then I can start you know, penetrating that market as a new guy. So right. it's kind of been the plan and still the plan since. Nice. And, and it's just, it's, it's justifying the amount of time we've, we've taken to get to where we're at from a training standpoint, you know? So um, I'm not gonna go too deep into my side, but like I have been from the coaching side of things, so I'm a Division three baseball player, coach D3 ball um, at my alma mater, and it's there's this whole world, uh, you know, a side of the game of baseball that is player development, and it's evolved and looks so much different. I don't know what the heck I was watching, but the, like old video of Babe Ruth, um, you know, his trainer like throwing a med ball at his stomach. Right? Yes. We've seen this video, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's just like. But then also, like the modern day of that is like the David Wegg bouncing around, going crazy with pulsers. But also, the, the content is is just there's there's so much there, right? And so, what was cool about us meeting up was getting this this relationship from player development and just like how similar it has been, and also completely completely different with that, right? And that's not here. It's just I don't we don't see it, right? right? Um, you mean you that know, everything was just kind of a standard, like this is how we're going about it, and you right. guys decided that you were going to do this a little differently? Well, I think I think I think I'm trying to draw to the fact that like people get misconceptions because of how good we're at um, at, at social media and and putting our content out there, you know. And John has the the advertising background. I'm a communication major, so I'm always worrying about like what is the message? Are we accurately right. conveying what we actually are? Are we standing behind those things, right? And so if, if you're not coming here, you don't see those things. You know, in, in Minnesota, when I was using social media for it was completely education. That's how I consumed it as well, right? So there's this also the need to actually have people know who we are, 
right? And this is such a weird market, you know, moving here, some of the guys that I was talking about to before moving here, just like, yeah, it's a weird market. Like you kept on saying, you know, just like a, it's a weird market. What does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean, right? And it's like, it's hard to explain as an outsider, but once you're here, it's, I think the thing is, is to John, what John alluded to is there's so much talent here and that includes coaching. But it's a different kind of talent, right? It's recognizing what talent is, not necessarily creating talent out of nothing, you know? And that's easily been the most impressive thing that I've seen since working with John is there were things that I was good at because I was paying attention to what the market was doing, but he was doing things and talking about throwing in a different way. You know, that was well enough in line with what I knew, but was different enough to go, Huh? And there's been so many times where John has said things that sound ridiculous, you know, and I think this kind of goes into, it plays into his strength of the advertising marketing thing. And I, and I think people just, you got to come and see it seriously, because there's such a different perspective once people actually train with us, because we do have this big background of like, I know what player development is. He knows what player development is. We know what movement is. We recognize what's going on in the industry because of what we do on social media. So that's because, so when you say the market here was different, you mean it was just kind of in this like slightly old school baseball world or is it just... Um, okay, so like think about what talent does, right? What do you do with talent? If your team is nine guys that just never lose, right. what are you doing as a coach? Probably not a whole lot. Right, you're managing their personalities, you're, you're keeping everybody happy. And, and like that's what the good ones are doing, right? And then right. putting them, hopefully, challenging them in practice, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I don't need to speak to the ones that don't understand how to manage a practice, right? Because we also see the bad things of that. I'm just saying the nature of there being so much talent. You can be a guy that played professional. There's tons of pros here, right? There's tons of 30 to 40 to 50 year old guys who played professional baseball because the talent pool is so great here. And they're just like, yeah, I'm going to coach my kids little league. Right. right and and so you have of course there's really good coaching here so that's why everything comes up but it also doesn't necessitate the necessitate the, you know what the word is <laughs> uh, for growth right you right. don't need to grow necessarily we're like the experience okay. you know he's having of like fighting the system essentially and me being in northern minute you know Minnesota, right? Where right. like nobody cares about player development there for baseball, right? So you have to look outward. So you have to figure out where is this in the world? You and you think that those minds would be here, and they are in other things, right? You see them in more of the the human performance side of things, like the fact that Weck Method is here, or the fact that TPI is up there and Blast Motion, like right. That's there's there's stuff there's reason, here, yeah. Yes, and then the coaching part, I just think, is always going to lag behind for cultural, you know, a million reasons. That is, I mean, that's, I think that's an evolution you're seeing in baseball in general, right? Is the transition sort of from the, I did it, therefore I'm the most qualified to potentially you need to, whether you did it or not, we just want the most qualified from a knowledge standpoint. What's the safest move, right? You're right. This is, this one is risk-free right, right. because, because we did it. Interesting. So what is, so as you guys are saying, you're, you're kind of trying to reinvent things here, what what are some guiding premises that make Cutter Nation this forward thinking process? I think you should start with the rules because I, I you know, one of the things that I know as a coach is that, just I'll, I'll say it and then I'll hand it off to you, is there's these themes that keep coming up. And I was really excited when I met John Sintez about the rules. And then it's like, just like a, and it's not shiny anymore. 
And so we take it for granted and, and getting a ton of new kids in here, it's so obvious. And then um, it's so obvious that they need to learn the rules. And it's, uh, I sent John a video of me with some Minnesota kids the other day. And it's like, man, the rules completely transform the baseline. Go ahead. Right, right. So um, what he's alluding to is we have a, a system that we try to talk about with throwing where we teach people our, our gun is what it's called. The gun is, you know, high front side, ball down, and it's really just a timing mechanism that you're trying to create inside of your, you know, your forward move. Okay. And so um, a lot of American kids are taught to swing up, and we're and a lot of Latin cultures are taught to swing down. When and you so, say like the like getting to the goal post right, or whatever. The common you, yeah. phrase is thumb to thigh, fingers to sky. Okay. Right. We've all yeah, kind yeah, of heard Cape and Cobra. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever the idea is. Right. To it. Right. And I just playing professionally in Mexico, I just saw too many different body types um, not do that. Right. And they all threw extremely hard. And so that's something that, um, you know, after I broke my elbow, uh, it was, you have to, all I heard was, you gotta throw hard, you gotta look like you throw hard, and you gotta have a nasty cutter. Those are probably the best, you know, words These are the rules. These are, no, 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 so these oh, are, these, oh. this is the advice that I got. Okay. And so once I started throwing, I started seeing things a little bit differently when I saw these guys play, and so I came up with these rules. And rules are, and it's based on around rotation of the gun, right? So rule number one is both hands move at the same time. Mm -hmm. So like if you go to thumb to thigh, finger to sky, and the ball comes up, the acceleration of the rotation doesn't happen at the same time. So in that situation, when you're a swing up guy, that the right hand or the back hand moves faster than the front hand. So there's two different kinds of plays. Is this like an equal and opposite idea? It's similar, Possibly, similar. But it just explains it a little bit. Okay. Here, maybe I'll stand up. Yeah, for, for those that are not on video, the thing with equal and opposite is there's no like getting it out of the way. So there's a lot of people that land in equal and opposite and the glove side is still closed in front of them. And you don't want to be closed in front of them. Right. You want that to have already gotten out of the way. Totally, so so here's the gun, right? right here right. it kind of looks like a pistol. That's why we call it the gun, right? right? Everybody's loading pattern of where they like to go to is based on what feels comfortable. And so we're trying to stay in what we call free space where the arm can just move freely Right, as if the bones were moving the arm, not the muscles, not being tight. Trying to be as loose as you can to create momentum with the ball in your arm to be able to throw that. And you can do that by going down and up like that. Right. But there's also a way to time and accelerate out of it, and that's what we're trying to get guys to do. To understand that utilizing the front side. Right. To do right. So. You, utilizing the whole rotation. Okay. Right. So the shoulders are connected to the rib cage, and you have to turn together and let the throw. It's kind of like throwing a punch. Right? right. And the rate to which you can turn to throw that, you will increase arm speed and hand speed. Right. Right. So we come up with rules that explain the entire thing. Right. Rule number one: both hands move at the same time. Rule number two: both when you arms, say both hands move at the same time, that's taking the Glove side, like tucking it or take, pulling it, whatever your terminology right, right, you right, want right. to use is, mm -hmm. to get that right. backside right. up we, on time. We think about it like a transmission, right? Both sides have to turn at the same time at the same rate. Okay. Right? And so, in order for you to get the entire rotation to happen, if the glove side slows down, the right side slows down right. because it is connected. Right? And if you want something more literal, it's going to be like so we teach the ropes, we teach kids to do this, and we teach kids to do this through our ropes. Have you seen this? You know what I'm no. talking about? I feel like we should throw. I feel like we just move the cameras. I'm, I'm gonna throw it right there, and he can see it. Because once you see it, it's a whole, it makes so much more sense. Especially, okay, throw, I'll, I'll, we'll talk through this for those who can't see. see. So, so because you're looking for like where is the beginning and where is the end kind of thing. I guess Fair? maybe my line of thinking is just so stuck in this terminology of like you know traditional. Yeah, right, right. So, so I can do both. Trouble with your in space 
right. exceptions. Right. Cast yeah, yeah. slide over there, and then we'll. Because I'll just go right into this right here. So like this is closed, right? But right. we're talking about the joint. We got so a front side. That's like the front side tucked down with our thumb down in the front side. Yeah, and, and this can be up down. Or up, down it just has across. to be closed in the shoulder. Right? Okay. And then when what I'm saying is that equal and opposite, I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying you see too much of landed and they're still here, where by the time you're landed, you want to have opened in the shoulder, now you're in the laps that connects you to the glutes, like this is what athletes do, they get into here. Right? In so order to create, we're just creating space now for the backside for to come through. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. Gotcha. Right? And so if this is stuck here, now we're going to be fighting that. And we see a lot of that through towel drill stuff, through a lot of different drills. Right, because when like throwing is throwing, right? So being able to feel this loose arm and saying, this is an off move. I'm just gonna throw, right? Yeah, I can say it hard enough. So like you're you're good right there. Um, so the gun, right? So we've created this system of throwing where you see how everything rotates together and goes through. So if this goes early, you're gonna fly open, it's gonna drag. If this goes up too fast, you'll lose your balance, it'll drag. So when you learn how to rotate with balance as it goes together, it has to go together, right? right? So the longer that you can rotate, the more power potential you can create, right? So if I'm gonna throw that ball right here, and I'm just gonna be flat-footed with a nice base right here, this is what we call a lean-back drill. And this is where we teach the kids the gun. So you get to the gun, and then you just throw the ball. Very simple. Simple, right? simple. You gotta talk to kindergartners. You have to be able to teach kindergartners how to throw. So if you show them and everybody's a mimic when you go to throw, the three rules are both hands at the same time, both arms should not cross. Now this creates a shoulder issue that we talked about, right. and then both hands need to pass past the glove hand. And if you can teach people to rotate to that point, you know this is the end point, we rarely hear about the deceleration path or the follow-through distance. So the longer that you can follow through, the safer it is for your arm. Continuing, so it was hands move at the same time, mm -hmm. Hands never cross. Hands never cross. Hands never cross. What, what would that mean? So I tuck into my chest and I somehow. Right. If your arm goes over this arm, oh right? No. So so we don't think. Yeah, that, that's kind of ugly. We don't think the arm should hit the body. Okay. And so if you finish square and you keep your glove in front and it goes underneath, it's still hitting the body. And if your arm oh, hits your if your arm hits your body, it has to create. I, I don't it's, know. It slows down there, prematurely. Right. That's, it has to slow down prematurely. It has it, to it, it, ha damage. it does. Right. 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 It, it doesn't it, have an option. Think about it. You're going 100 miles an hour, and right. it hits your body. There has to be some kind of different kind of recoil that goes through the arm. I, I, so I just you want guys to... are trying. So you're decel. So everything you guys are trying to promote is almost later deceleration. Don't or don't decelerate. Don't decelerate. Like we so see the cardio fitness. Rotate right? over your. Front but, side, but rotate the hips all the way through. But for what you're asking, yes, that's a good way of thinking about it as well. Right. Right. So, the Dominicans, the, right. the Venezuelans, the Puerto Ricans. Have you ever noticed how they finish? Yeah, usually on one foot with a, like the hand recoil. It's literally yeah. called coming to finish. They talk about it. They teach it. Right. This is when I've talked to some of these guys about doing it. I'll do it right here for you. Back up a little bit. I want to get you right there. So, <laughs> all they're trying to do is balance on their front foot and take their glove hand past their body as far as they can. And the reaction of that is where it comes back. Interesting. Right? So it is a balance technique where my back leg is like a flag and it's keeping me balanced on my front leg. Ready? Right. I didn't warm up. Right. Like, and I just ripped it. Right? And so I'm going through release point, not let my hands, hands slow down, go as far here as I can, and then I just let it go wherever it wants. Right. And it just doesn't, I just don't feel anything. Right? And, the, and you're saying this is all just a. By not trying to ever cut yourself off, creating more mobility here, you're just at such a less risk for injury and you just move cleaner. So here's, in my opinion, I think you use less energy so you get tired less fast. 
you can actually stay longer in the game, which if you have more energy, you can stay focused and you can stay longer. So you're right. gonna be more effective throughout the game. So I, I've seen things that suggest that these cell patterns are like the seventh most important thing. This was at the ABCA. I don't know much about, to be honest, as, as a pitcher, I've never you once about thought it. about my D-cell and, and And this is also what I got so jacked up about is I obviously like finding out things as a coach that are going to help me make my players better. Hands down my favorite thing. But also when I think of things or I hear of things that are also very valuable in relation to how much people don't talk about it. Right? So there's been a couple things that we've, I mean, just even me alluding to open and close. You want to hear, like, what does that mean? And it's like, it's really easy. You have one, two, three, four joints, hips and shoulders, and they open and close. I've never heard anybody say that. I've never heard somebody simplify as well as that for throwing. I've never heard somebody simplify that for just movement. And, and we're just, I'm all over these things because you, it's such a counter to what's going on in the industry with all of the metrics and all of the amount of information that's coming in. And, and it's coming from the right place. It's not like people don't want the industry to move forward, right? Um, but like, it, there is, we have to recognize that the science is so much more subjective than we can, than we want to admit, right? So it's really, really hard to do good sports science. And we know this, you know? And so people need to put that into perspective when they're weighing the, the studies and the things that they're finding. So I'm not saying don't, don't go into them, you right. know what I mean? It just has to have context. It's the counter. To what's, what some, what's something that's bothered you the most? That like, like is there is there is there certain drills or certain prescriptions or certain things that you saw that you were just like, hey, this isn't really working for me or it's not working for what I'm seeing and these need to become my premises or was it just totally focused on how can I teach this in the most streamlined, sim simplistic way? Right. So you're right about that. Like when you say that, when you say there's studies that. Like obviously, sports science is hard to calculate, but when you're like you know have your doubts about or not doubts about anybody suggesting to like denounce long toss or weighted balls, like right. just like flat out, oh that's not good for you, no don't do it. It's, it's ridiculous. Right. I mean, it's the same thing of the people claiming that they have the best swing. Like this is how you swing the right way. It's just like it's it's not fair to anybody. It's right. it's it's in line with the the BS on Twitter in general. Right. right? It's just like I'm gonna get I'm gonna be in the conversation and no matter what, you know at all costs. Right. But, you know. Yeah. So the, the Thundercut thing you said that's the biggest thing that I saw. Right. Was that they're literally taught high hands go down and we taught low hands go up. Right. And so that the first move of a pitcher is so important for the entire time. And so if you're creating a more difficult way to time this acceleration so you can throw the ball as hard as you can. It's very hard to repeat. And so what I noticed that is when I started really, you know, becoming consistent as a pitcher is I found the spot behind me where I saw all these other guys throw really hard where I could automatically autopilot throw the ball. Right. And it would go six inches of where I wanted most of the time. And then once I really got good at the cutter, like I just this was just cake. I could I knew how to go exactly where I want. And then I was inside that, that mind space of what I was trying to do, and then it turned into the game. Like, is this guy swinging? Is he not? Right? What's just, is he cheating in the ninth inning? Does he cheat third time through? Is he supposed to swing? Like, there's so many other strategic questions that go through your head that allow you to get the best pitch that you're going to throw at that time. So, like, you've talked about the, the swing up thing as like a, a snapshot. It's very similar, like the hip and shoulder separation concept, right? We know that the ASMI did a study years ago and that they, they concluded that 80% of velocity can be attributed to your ability to rotate your hips out of your shoulders. This is sequencing, 
Like we know right, this, it's not, right? We're right? making this a much more complicated. Concept yeah. As yes. To just yes. Just like move things. sideways and throw the darn ball. Right. You know, and like I, I've I've had a lot of conversations with a friend of mine, Garrett Retka, and I'm just like how we're so connected to the hands, right? And so technology is telling us like describing where speed comes from, and like that's great. But it's and, and there are many people that are are in this realm. I'm not trying to allude to that. We're the only people thinking like this. But like how you learn things, right? And so you know, I, I've been in the CSCS book for like two seconds, the Certified Strength and Conditioning. Mm-hmm. Yep, right. And I know that there's so many more motor neurons in things like our hands and our eyes because we need them to be, right? So per muscle fiber and motor neuron, right? The ratio is way greater in your eye than in your thigh, for example. Right, so we're telling people like, hey, use your legs and like rotate your back leg. And they're like, I don't know the difference between the top of my quad and the bottom of my glute. Like people just don't, kids don't know this. And a lot of high level athletes don't either. Right, but you know where your fingers are. Right. And like take your hand around your body as fast as you possibly can might be the easiest way to just self-organize these things. And, and to your point of getting on the D-cell patterns, right, it, it's healthy, but it's like, it doesn't fix loading patterns all the time, right? We don't all of a sudden see this clean up, but over time, just focusing on this, this happens. It's the weirdest thing. And like kids that struggle with this, where the front side goes way faster than the backside, those are the real like flying open guys, right? right? Like they struggle with that, admittedly, right? It's something that they have to work on, right? Because they they can't just focus on the follow through. They're great at that. They need to focus on the loading pattern. That's why these guys need to do long toss and stuff like that. Right, and that's where we use things like long toss distance or radar gun to help the athlete know if it works or not. Right. Right, like you and I know, if you're 90-94 and then you throw on an 88, someone's going to go, are you okay? Right. Are you all right? But if you knew what your velo was during the game, you could actually make those adjustments. Right. Right? If, you, if the screen was actually around where you could see it, you could be like, like In Pennsylvania, your hometown, good. they have it directly behind home plate. It's, beautiful. it's the best talent meter there is. When I, was in, <laughs> when I was in Mexico, every stadium had it within, within sight. Like, there or there. Right. And so if my cutter's 87 that day and I don't, it's too hard, Right, there's something else. My, I, I'm getting information in the event, right. and that helps me. Right, and, and I know when I throw my, I call it fader because it's dark and evil. When I get on top of that <laughs> ground ridge slider, and I'm gonna rip it to strike the guy out. Right, I need it to be like 81, 82. That's what right. I need it to be. I don't need it to be up so fast. And so that's a way you grip it to get it to do what it needs to do. So it spins correctly. It is interesting that there's always been. Kind of a disassociation i felt like for at least the first few years of over data in professional baseball right. where they didn't really want to like give you too much mm-hmm. it was more of like an evaluation tool and they wanted to come up with like plans for it but i felt like it wasn't like always readily available for players but i do feel like as a player when i get access to that kind of stuff like you're able to make adjustments so right. much faster in a right. tangible you know well and so think about this right you're just perfect segue. golf talks about the sport of golf in such a better way, and then they give the fans the data. Right. When you crush a ball, it gives you exit velo, spin rate, and distance. And right. they put the sweet red tracker on it, like we're watching the pitching ninja, and we watch <laughs> it fade. Would you watch a baseball game like that? A hundred percent, why wouldn't we? If you put, if your fastball spins at 2600, and mine spins at 2200, and I'm 18 years old, and I know that if I get it to 2600 because I throw 96, I understand how to throw hard. Right. Does that make sense? And especially with the 3,000 RPM breaking ball. If you're throwing it at at 1,900 and your coach is telling you it's hanging and it's because your hand's too, 
What if I just said it needs to spend more so it's sharper? Right. That's the information we need. We need to be giving the public all this information. The fact that they have track man, and in half a second, the umpire can probably get a buzz in the same way that everybody else does on the sure. way from the strike zone, that we just don't turn on the spin rate thing on the screen so all of us people who care about it actually can see it, it'll become annoying most of the time. And it would make everybody better. The umpires would get better. Oh. Right? Like, hey, if you know that a guy has a high spin rate fastball, like, you know what that's going to do to the zone. You know if you have a sinker ball guy, you know how to react to that. Um, I, I gotta go on this. Like, I, this is just an <laughs> example of, like, it's so easy to make Major League Baseball more popular. This right. is such an example. I don't understand. I'm trying I get, to save three and a half minutes on three batter rolls. Well, <laughs> right? Well, we just gotta get Big Poppy to not take a minute and a half to walk 15 <laughs> but that's second. But my point is, is that's not even the solution. The solution is, why don't you just make the game available in 10 minutes? Right. We all know that the whole po- that's the biggest argument. Too much time. The whole point is that they're only doing things for 9 to 10 minutes. Show us it and make me You're saying it. just rebroadcast this 10 yeah, minutes. Yes. Put a YouTube video on the it's, yeah. it's literally that. It's bang, bang, bang. It's what all of these YouTube people are doing anyway. So MLB just has the resources to do it and do it better than everybody else. Quit trying to protect it. It's so much easier to do it better than amateur YouTubers. Or... I was gonna say football kind of well football only has like ten minutes four minutes of action too right, right? it's a very low number right, as right. well but we kind of get enough replay and dissection That's of exactly each play in between each pitch or each, in between each snap that you're like still engaged you're like oh we could have done this up there and, oh he had an opening down there kind of if you went through I think it would be cool to your you point if you went through each pitch did you watch any of the KBO a game? few a so few. I had a buddy that uh, Roberto Ramos uh, got released from the Rockies and he's number two in the league in bombs in KBO my man from Mexico. MLCO legend, typical donkey lefty if I could describe Six six, right. loves the down and in here, doesn't care how hard you throw, he's gonna be on time. He's just destroying that league, right? But the thing that I really like about it is watching him play is they have a system that they actually appreciate the game. So you throw the pitch, it's immediate the slow-mo of the pitch, then it's the slow-mo of the pitcher, then it's the slow-mo of the guy either who takes the strike. That's the filler in between the pitches, and then by the time they come back to it, we're already back to the already, yeah. Meanwhile, you watch the World Series, we're watching these cardboard cutouts in between in pitches, the and I'm losing my mind. <laughs> like, there is good content to really? be shared, just shared. Right. And it's just, it's just the culture of what it is. They don't understand. Like, there's not a baseball person that's directing, you know, uh, Fox sure. Channel in there that could be like, I need this camera on this, I need the Edgertonic over here on this. Right. We got six seconds to show ball release and what it is. Why can't we just? Set it up where it's systematically every time, just like golf. You do the same right. thing golf. You have the shot, they show it, then they show the slow motion of the swing, they give you the data. Like, it's not that hard. It's just not that, it's already there. They're just choosing not to do it. We act like Tony Romo is the only guy that can do that. There are so many guys that would get up on it and, and talk exactly like that. Yeah. I mean, like, when John talks about fast, slow, there, there's so many things that. I got jacked up. I'm watching the Padres game, and I'm barely ever watching games, and they're killing the team. I, I have no idea when it was. It was, let's say, three months ago, and they're sitting talking about um, Goodwill Hunting. I'm like, dude, I love, <laughs> I love me some Goodwill <laughs> Hunting, and I hated that they were talking yeah, about that right now because right. The, you, you, you're ruining the product because people can actually learn from these moments. Like, hey, look at this person that's getting an opportunity that nobody knows about, right? right? Here's their story. 
What did they, where the heck did this person come from that you've never seen back before? Right. What was well, he good at in the minor right. Ex Exactly. Well, there's or, enough to share if you wanted to share. Right, right. If you really cared about where the game is going and what it's doing, then you could actually tell a better story. And you suck at storytelling, Big Ben. So, so if, if these I were guess the I, I always, I always kind of like, I think back being a kid and, and hearing broadcasters, and I always thought it was like, Fun to hear them paint the narrative, but now that I think about it, there is way more applicable information as a game growth thing. I will say right. I was falling asleep to a lot of these games yeah, as a kid too. I'd turn on the Angel game, and by yeah. nine o'clock I always missed the eighth and ninth inning. I fall asleep. But yeah, I don't even <laughs> listen to the broadcast when I'm watching the World Series. I just put on music because right. I'm getting too frustrated. John Smoltz, yeah, like him saying that you, you have a trackman login. Are you able to get the live game? <laughs> I wish. I really, if I had a trackman login, like, it would just be. I would be like, oh, I would just be broadcasting your own on Instagram. Yeah. Like, you guys are missing out on the real game over here. Bueller just threw a 3,300 uh, fastball that rose up 18 inches. It is, it's it's tough. I do feel not like uh, there's just there's pushback on that though. Right. You know, like from the established baseball guys. Like I don't know. We I listened. I think it was a Rod was somebody was talking about sack bunting in the postseason. Like oh, we're we talking about the first and third play that they tried. To maybe it was the first and third. It was either Smoltz or a Rod. I forgot who it was. But same they were same. they were diving into much more like I felt like it was not that they were like. You know, bad at what they were doing. They were just like definitely trying to solidify some older baseball values right. outside of like because because right. they were probably tired of hearing about spin rates and about good sliders. Like Smoltz offers amazing insight into just pitch calling, which right. is you know I'm, kind of I'm the role of quarterback. Plug ahead of the curve with the Kyle Wagner podcast because that is fantastic. They touch on this stuff too. Um, I, I just want to allude to the, the connection here that I'm trying to make with the MLB part because honestly, most of what I do has nothing to do with injury. Right. But it's just, I'm showing that if they have these big of incompetencies in their marketing strategies, what is their player development like? Right. And if they are the authority in this, what, what, what are they actually doing right? right? And, I, and I just compare it to what everybody else that I know that's like us, that has been in the trenches just training people, it's a different perspective that they is, is completely foreign to many, many teams still. In, in I will say, in, in the last three years for me, I've been with three different clubs, and, and each year it's gotten, the, the, they have progressed. Like, right. there's definitely, the information is becoming more readily available to players, totally. and I think each club in those three years has also made strides where you would think that each one has improved in their own stance, you know? So it is getting there, but I, but I see your point in that a lot of that information has come from outside perspectives, you know? And it's Guys relative. at facilities who are doing their own thing privately and learning, and kind of sharing it back, which has been interesting. Right, right. And even like what you were talking about before, where you were saying like you're, you're a spin guy, you need to know where to spin on. Right? right. Like I've been taking my ever since I got slow mo with the iPhone, I've been putting over kids' shoulders, showing how the ball's rolling off their fingers. Right. And like I wish I had that at twelve. Oh no, yeah. I, oh my god. I do nothing. Right. I've right. talked about this in a few other of my episodes where I did everything completely separate. There was like baseball and then there was like lifting and, and hopefully they would relate or there was like playing long toss and then there was pitching and hopefully they would relate right. like there was never the like you know paying attention to how the ball's leaving my fingers and I'm trying to diagnose my hand meanwhile like I'm probably falling down somewhere in my delivery I have like you know there's a lot of things that I should have addressed before looking at just like oh yeah I'm kind of cutting it today like oh, see you got this is this is a good so or maybe you should have focused more right. on that. Right. Well, well, then I can ask you what throws the baseball. My hand. Well, you were but, thinking about the right thing then. Your, your hand but don't you ball. think that there was a lot that I needed to like, I don't know, 
I guess also this is a personal thing. I have dealt with injuries, so I like needed. To, I felt like I needed to make some adjustments in order to be able to do it longer. Right, right. Whatever I was doing was effective from a stuff and a results standpoint throughout you know the lower levels of the minor leagues, but it wasn't. It wasn't allowing me to stay on the field. Right, right, right. Whatever, whatever the way you were throwing, right, wasn't producing a longevity type of situation. Right. right? So that's like what we talk about too. Is in order for us to establish a connection with our kids is. Um, we have to make sure they understand first that health is the number one priority. If you right. throw a ball in any different way, swing a bat, do a squat, whatever your coach has you do, do a plank for five minutes and it hurts, you're doing something wrong. That's your right. body telling you you shouldn't be doing it. And I think we ignore health first over accuracy and velocity. In our opinion, it has to be whatever you throw, it has to feel good, it has to go where it's supposed to, and it has to be fast relative to how hard you try. Right. So once you understand, if you find a free space ideal, like where you're at now, then all you do is try to repeat it. And so the more you can be inside of that headspace and what you're trying to do, the easier it is to repeat that idea. Do you guys have a lot of mechanical discussions in here with younger kids? Oh, all the time, you all see, the time. So there's still like, but it's based on like ability to move. Do you guys like, do you guys do like prescribed things? Like are you guys, do you teach certain plyo drills because you like the way they address kids? Are right, you more right, about right. just we, yeah, we teach, we teach those plyo drills. We also, um, yeah, we have our system lineup, right? Uh, we tried the driveline system and pivot picks and stuff like that. And there's things that don't make sense to me, right? And so if I can stay within a certain throwing pattern, like Chapman throws a three-pound cannonball. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen the cannonball. It's crazy, right? Yes. It's crazy, right? But he throws it. He doesn't do a pivot pick. Right. It's not an offset. He throws it. And he throws it against a wall, and then he throws it to his head. And so scientifically, I do believe it's called post-load activation, which is what you see all the people doing with the, the deadlifts and the, bump, the box jump. Right? What is that? It's just so called post-load activation. You do a heavy deadlift and then you go to a box. And then try jump. to do an explosive right. movement. Right. So your body knows what that power potential is, right? That this is so that you train yourself to feel what my maximum load is, maximum wise, and then maximum potential, right, potential power. Right? Okay. You feel lighter because you just picked up some heavy. You jump higher because you just create more explosive leg on the field. Right? Is that real? Yeah. Is that like swinging a donut bat? Like, is that real? Yeah, yeah. You okay. can swing the donut, and then when you swing the donut, you like try to go as fast as you can, take it off, and then you can feel like you're doing metal. Now, there's science saying that maybe that doesn't work, and maybe it's a feel thing. But I right. do know throwing a baseball, I enjoy throwing a heavy ball, two pound, one pound ball, to a catcher kind of hard first, and then when I pick up that five ounce ball, it feels light as anything. Right. And so I think that's what Chapman's tying into is like he needs to feel those loose, fast hands. And he's throwing the cannonball, he can feel the layback and feel the things that are happening, and then he picks this up and it just feels light, it feels easy. Interesting. Uh, to answer your question more, like that's where the synapse comes in. Um, I mean, we have many, many tools that we use to prescribe. What is the synapse? I've seen it a little bit on your Instagram. I don't really know what it is. So uh, go to synapse-ccr.com to find out. Go and if you look at how he talks about the principles, and then how to train, it will be a lot better than me trying to articulate it here. Right. Um, it's, what, what it is on the surface is it's a fantastic strength and conditioning tool that has really cool neurological adaptations like attached to it, right? So you're just sitting on it because it's, it can go back and forth, um, you know, because there's a balance component to it. Um, you know, it's similar to a cable thing, it's similar to uh, bands, but there's just a different component to it because it's a pulley system. So it's a four to one pulley system that 
you know, if you know what you're doing, you can put yourself in some really unique positions. So we like it because you can go literally exactly what a release point feels like, mm -hmm. and then you can come back here. Um, so th there's... Because of the freedom of movement with that thing, you're able to, to recreate deliveries way, like you're actually able to stretch yourself in delivery spots right, like, easier. Like two things that I like about it. One is like you can feel resistance along a good balance, you know, force vectors, what we call it, bringing the hand forward to find out where your release point should be. Where, right. you know, maybe you feel like it's here, but we, we find out that you don't know where it is. Right. So just being in that space and then feeling the resistance into it helps. And then another one is feeling the sideways move in the float. You can put it around your waist, you can pick up the foot, and you can carry yourself. And with your hand, you can control yourself going farther and closer to the pulley system so you can feel how long it takes you to get your feet further apart. Interesting. So, so the biggest thing against it is it's unbelievably challenging, right? So like John alluded to off air that we, it's, it's redlining the system. So I'll put somebody in a, a lunge just facing it. And, and like, like you said, we'll put out more content. Uh, this is brand new to us. Um, but just a low row. And I'll say, just, just keep pulling. Okay? And within 10 seconds, most of them are done pulling, right? It's, they don't know how to actually just keep going, right? So it's one Is thing- Is that a, a, like an ISO hold or like- No, they're actually going through the you in now. So, so this is the, the, the theory behind it. The principle behind it is that you can lower 170 pounds versus pressing 100, 100 pounds. So like that's, that's the ratio that works with everybody, right? Your, your concentric strength is usually um, only like 100 pounds, for example, and then your eccentric strength, lowering that will be 1.7 times your concentric strength on average, okay. okay? And so what you do with the eccentric overload tool, which is what the synapse is, is you're tapping into the 170 first. So you start at the end range of it. So we can take people into their release point. You don't take them to their release point first, right? You get them in their release point and then you take them out of it, right? So this is eccentrically loading the system Okay, and you immediately are tapping into the 1.7. And the thing with eccentric is a lot of people aren't connected with their eccentric movements like they are with their concentric movements. So their body just naturally tends to go into stronger positions. They don't think about it, it's right. not cognitive. Their body just auto-corrects to strong, right? Because it redlines you, right? And so managing the volume in this is, is the number one thing. So that's why the, the content around the synapse is pretty low right now because we're we're literally writing the book on it, right? right? Um, and so full transparency, Raj is the, the founder of this. He has a connection with Doug Latta and the, the ball yard, mm -hmm. um, and, and they're doing their own thing, and, and that's great. But we are loving what we're able to do with the Synapse and are extremely excited what we can do with our kids because literally nobody else has this. I was the first person in baseball to know that this thing existed. <laughs> and I introduced it to Doug, and it's been a great learning tool for everybody. So. What, so like when a kid comes in here and they're gonna start training with you guys, what, what can they like expect to find? What's like your typical welcome to Cutter Nation? And then you guys do tell me a little bit about why Cutter Nation. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so uh, for example, we had some new athletes come in. We, get, we gotta find out, we, we have to, there's so much information we don't know about them, right? So watching them throw, them actually moving and throwing baseballs helps us. Most of the time they've never thrown drills or even just basic throwing in front of a radar gun. So that's kind of a, a shock to them or like right. they actually get feedback on um, and so watching them go through that experience, see if they like it, see if they don't, trying to talk to them, find out what they like to do as pitching. Most of the time we find out everything's been told to them what to do, mm -hmm. all their pitches have been called, all of their bullpens have been scheduled. Most of them have never even tried to throw the ball as I hard guess as they can. this is all ages you're seeing. Right, right. Yeah, this is not like, like the Have you ever thrown the ball as hard as possible? Yeah, for sure. How many times? Most of the time I pitch, I try. Right, okay. So every time <laughs> you're maxing it, right? 
Have you tried to do it outside of the game? Like a running throw? A shuffle fire? Um, yeah, I've, I have done some like fly out care stuff. I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I probably don't actually ever cut it loose. I'm horrible at, I test way worse than I pitch at. Not even fun. Not like, you know what I mean? Like the running gun type throws. Right, like, right, right, right. I've, yeah, I have done these, um, and I, I don't do well in them. Right. I like typically throw harder than I do in like running guns. I don't move, I don't know. I, maybe it's a mental block because right. I'm not in like that competition mode, even though I should be against the gun. But yeah, no, I have tried, and I'm not very good at it. Right, right. So that's a skill. It's just a different skill of what it's doing. So when you, when you get used to going faster into a running gun, it's like driving 100 miles an hour for the first time. What happens that first split second? You panic. Oh my God. <laughs> and that's what you're probably doing, right? There's there's thoughts of injury, there's thoughts of miss. Right. You see a lot of things where kids go to it and they miss the target, and they're like, oh, I'm like, dude, that's not, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. So it, it's it's so important for people to actually know what it is, like what we're, is your we're maximum like, throw capacity. We're, we're we're a system in a sense, in in order to give people structure, because a lot of kids that we meet like are just given everything. They're not given freedom to work within that structure. So I create structure as soon as I possibly can. So then they have the freedom to figure out what is working for them, and we coach them accordingly. Like, kids are going through different drills all of the time, and we evolve all of the time. Right. Right? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I think you want to give even our young guys that are waiting right here is I want to teach a 10-year-old how to be a real pro and take accountability for their own throws. Right. Right? And so if you as a 10-year-old know how to warm up without your coaches, not sitting in the circle on the line and doing high knees, that's <laughs> actually something that's going to help right. you warm up your arm. Show you, teach you how to evaluate your own outing where you know if you're doing right or wrong, right? Not having your coach tell you. And the, and the box score rarely percentage. tells you the truth. Right? On like that. Your, your coach, I remember my coach going over my percentages of things, and I'd be like, what the fuck, right? He's like, you were two for 40 uh, for fish strikes. And I was like, I went eight innings and struck out 11. Well, that's pretty good if you were two for 40 on first fish strikes. Right, right? Like, whatever it was, <laughs> right? Like, it was terrible, right? Yeah. But, like, th those things didn't make sense to me because that's like a snapshot compared to the idea. So educating them on the strategy of like right. actually what the game is for these pitchers and these hitters to understand how to play the game and be successful at the game and the game is not. And then finally, like how to go about everyday training and like do your arm care, do your mobility, pay attention to the game, watch right. baseball, learn from it. And like you just don't see kids do that because they're going to practice and everything's scripted. And you go do eight ground balls, 20 swings, run the bases four times, and then you go home. Right. But you got, but you ran the bases. But your arms leak. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and then the last thing uh, we'll wrap up with this was uh, the Cutter Nation was a uh, uh, was kind of a joke. Uh, my first start indie ball in the Pecos League, aka the Drive Yourself League. Right. Um, I I tripped our head coach into giving me a start that the night before I threw a bullpen towards the dugout, where it was the opposite facing direction of the bullpen. So our bullpen faced the foul line. And I made him catch it go the other way, and we won the game, and he was walking, and I just started firing fastballs, and then he asked me if I could start today. And I said, yes. And so I got in there on a 100-man roster. I basically just sneaked my way in there. Yeah, there's yeah. no roster rules oh, in that league either. either. Yeah. And so um, I went out through eight and struck out 11, and then after the game, we had a meal uh, at a sports bar, and one guy walked up to me on the other team, and both teams were there to eat. And he goes, we got a bet going, did you throw 65 sliders or cutters? Because we had no idea. Like, you just made people look terrible. Yeah. And before I could say anything, my catcher, who's from Alabama, jumped in and he goes, Cutter Nation, baby. And I was like, I'm <laughs> stealing that. Because like, he had been saying Save a Nation for like right. the whole tw like, two weeks that I was there. I was yeah. like, Dude, this guy's killing me, right? <laughs> and after that, he, we had a blast. And he, you know, he would call it every pitch. And so, um, you know, it was, it was just a whole lot of fun. So that's just kind of where it started. And then like as it went, even... 
you know, doing this, we even had a big debate on if we wanted to call it something else or not. And it was right. like, who cares if it's cheesy? Like, it's yeah. just fun. Like, like we, we're, we're really just it? trying to have fun. Oh, everybody has a cutter. Right? Everybody has one. It's not that hard to throw. It's a football. Right. It's a football. If you can throw a football, you can throw a cutter. Most Americans would actually do The only reason I didn't have a cutter was because people didn't, like, say, oh, yeah, that's a cutter. Like, I know exactly how to throw a cutter. And I think a lot of kids feel that. We have kids, half our kids who are really good at throwing in general just naturally throw cutters as a, at a young age. Like, it's... You don't think that, that's not a byproduct or something? You're, like, that just happens because of where their hands are getting set? I mean, it could be not, at, not even being aware of understanding what 100% right. Glass now sure. cuts the ball at 99 all of the time. That guy, that's... that's yeah, but That's it makes sense. Animal. But it also <laughs> got a long finger. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's like how he does it. Too. Right. But it also, it, it, there's there's many many things that explain why it happens. Right. The, the long finger timing mechanisms, like how guys actually just feel and do things. Like, right. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's we got to train. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get trained. We gotta hang out, watch some training. Yeah, yeah. I wanna watch some guys throw cutters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I just saw two guys in the movie. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining. It was great to get to know you both. This is a very cool setup you guys got going here. I'm glad sure. to have you out in San Diego. Thank and, you. Uh, appreciate it a lot. Let's yeah. go through the Instagram stuff before we get out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, check us out on Instagram. Jason does 34. CK Soda Baseball. Uh, Cutter Nation BSB. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube's huge. Just search Cutter Nation. Yeah. It's everywhere. We got, we, we understand the meta. And on the pros list. Yes, the pros list, right. <laughs> on the pros list, but for sure. Thank you guys. It was awesome to get to know. This is sick. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.